Hey pals, it's Stephanie. Welcome back to the Keto Success Podcast, a show dedicated to doing the deeper work on your keto journey. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey pals, welcome back to another episode of the Keto Success Podcast. As promised in the last episode, today we are going to be talking about stress, which is such an overlooked component of creating a healthy keto lifestyle and really being able to achieve any keto weight loss goals that we might have for ourselves. For full disclosure, part of what you will hear in this episode actually came from a previous episode that I recorded all about stress. It's so funny. I went to sit down and record this episode and I was like, wait a minute, didn't I already record an episode on this? And I was really going to say a lot of the same things or very similar things. So some of it you may have heard before, but here's the thing. We can all use gentle reminders again and again and again. We are forever forgetting and remembering. And that is especially true when it comes to things like stress, because this is a stressful world. We are stressed out humans. And it really doesn't hurt to be reminded of the importance of acknowledging our stress and practicing self-regulation, emotional regulation, self-resourcing. So some of that will be from a previous episode. But like I said, it really doesn't hurt to hear these things again. But be sure to listen to the whole thing because I am adding some new little nuggets of wisdom, of insight in this episode as well. And the reason why stress is so important and why it plays such a huge role on our keto journey to reaching our keto weight loss goals is because it's sometimes not even about the food. You know, it really is the fact that we are so dysregulated within ourselves. We are so stressed out and overwhelmed all of the time. And if we are not really pouring back into ourselves and really caring for ourselves, then of course we're going to go reach for food to try and do it for us. Of course we're going to want that momentary sense of relief from the food that we've been eating and consuming probably most of our lives that we are relying on this external factor, this external food just to cope, just to feel like we're keeping our head above water, just to deal with these feelings of stress and overwhelm because it makes us feel good even just for a moment. It makes us feel like we have one moment of control, even though it goes against what we actually want for ourselves, even though it's not actually serving us. It really just is this default pattern that we really need to shine a light on and bring to the surface so that we can explore it. What is actually happening in these moments? What am I turning away from that I need to really be turning towards, turning inward and really examining how I can navigate stressful situations without relying on food to bring me that sense of peace or relief or comfort? How can I give that to myself? A question that I really love 
to pose to my clients that I think could be a beautiful journal prompt or practice for you to sit with is what relief does that food give you? What relief is it giving you in those moments that you're eating the things in high stress, high overwhelm times of your life? Once we have clarity around the relief it's giving you, okay, now what other things in your life make you feel that same feeling, that same emotion? And how can we start to incorporate rituals and practices around that feeling instead of using food to do it for us? So when it comes to weight loss success, sometimes it's not even so much about what you eat as it is what's eating you. You know, I read this study, which I found to be super fascinating. It is out of the University of Kentucky, and researchers divided study subjects into two groups of dieters. The first group was given instruction on intuitive eating techniques. The second group learned tactics for managing stress. After seven weeks, the members in the first group didn't lose a significant amount of weight. However, the dieters who were taught stress management techniques did as much as 17 pounds in seven weeks because they were able to manage their stress and as a result, make food choices that allowed them to lose weight. Stress is a major component in terms of what we believe is causing us to reach for food in ways that don't serve us in ways that are disempowered to us. It feels like the food is bringing us comfort in these moments of high stress. But the reality is, because we've all been there and we've all done it and we all know that it doesn't really last. It's a momentary, instant gratification, quick hit of dopamine that makes us believe that we have alleviated the stress from ourselves. But the truth is, we end up more stressed on the back end of it most of the time because now we have layered on the emotions that come with disappointing ourselves, the emotions that come with turning to food as a way to cope when we know that doesn't really serve who we want to become and the body that we want to live in. So I'm going to tease apart how stress can really impact our keto lifestyle, our keto weight loss, our wellness, our health, our well-being. And then I'm going to talk about the importance and power of self-regulation and self-resourcing. This is essentially our way of taking our power back and feeling empowered within our emotions and practicing new ways and using self-resourcing tools so that when we're feeling stressed, we have other coping strategies or ways we can practice this on a daily basis so that we are living in more of a peaceful state overall so that we're less likely to reach for food in these moments. Stress can really significantly impact our ability to maintain a healthy keto lifestyle or a healthy weight. It can prevent us from losing weight. It can cause us to gain weight. And there's really two reasons for this. First of all, 
the result of high levels of stress hormone, of cortisol in the body, in combination with unhealthy stress-induced behaviors. When we are reaching for the food to try and bring us comfort as a way to cope with stress. So let's talk about how this stress hormone cortisol can really impact our wellness and our weight loss goals on keto. So every time we're stressed, the adrenal glands release adrenaline and cortisol. As a result, glucose, which is our primary source of energy. Now on keto, usually our primary source of energy are ketones. And that's not to say that we still don't have some amount of glucose in the body. It doesn't go away completely. But when we are stressed, that glucose is released into the bloodstream. And this is a way to give you energy to escape risky situations. We commonly know this as the fight or flight response. And once that perceived threat has subsided, the adrenaline wears off, our blood sugar spike drops, and this is when cortisol kicks into high gear to try and replenish your energy supply quickly. When this happens, we are often prone to craving sugars. This is because sugar supplies in the body really serve as this quick energy that it thinks it needs. And it's often the first thing we reach for when we're stressed. Now, of course, the downside to this is it goes against our keto lifestyle that we're trying to establish for ourselves. And our body tends to store that sugar more readily after a stressful situation. Now, it's important to note that just because I used the word sugar doesn't mean that carbohydrates aren't the same thing. When we ingest carbohydrates, they are converted into sugar, into glucose in our body. So they're almost used interchangeably at this point. So when we're stressed, we are actually more likely to crave sugar and carbohydrates. And in addition to that, when we have this cortisol really surging through our body, it's also been shown to slow our metabolism, as well as increase the insulin levels, which is the hormone that contributes to fat storage. So overall, when we are stressed and this cortisol is running through our body, we are more likely to reach for foods that don't, don't really serve us. So even on a physiological level, stress absolutely has an impact on our body's function, on our hormone levels. And then in addition to that, we have the desire to engage in these behaviors, these responses that really don't serve us. Things like emotional eating, causing us to crave certain foods we may normally wouldn't on our keto diet. It also causes us to eat highly accessible foods or fast foods when we're stressed because all of the energy from our prefrontal cortex where we make our best planning and decision-making is gone. It has gone back. We are now just thinking with our monkey brain, our toddler brain. We want that quick hit. We want to not waste energy or mental bandwidth on creating a healthy, balanced meal. And we often just reach for whatever feels convenient in order to give us that quick fix. It can also cause us to exercise less, 
when our schedule feels more demanding, it can cause us to either skip more meals and not because we're intentionally intermittent fasting. It can cause us to snack more. It impacts our sleep. And all of these factors really come together in a perfect storm that has an impact on our healthy keto lifestyle, on our goals. So what can we do about this? Because the reality is the way in which we live as a society is so fast paced. We are busier than ever. Our schedules are jam packed. We are rushing around everywhere. We are busier with work. We are trying to fit everything in. And at the same time, we are on our phones constantly. We have information coming at us constantly. We have the news of the world coming to us through every platform possible that is constantly causing us to live at a higher level of stress. It has become more normal to just operate from this high-stressed place and really believe that we need to do that in order to get everything done, in order to check all our boxes, in order to check everything off our to-do list. But this is not sustainable. This really does play into when life gets extra hard, we really just abandon ourselves. We abandon all of our routines, our rituals, our healing practices. We abandon our keto lifestyle, making nourishing foods for ourselves. And this is why self-regulation and resourcing is crucial. This is not something that we need to do once a week. This is really something that we need to be practicing daily in our lives so that we are regulating and down-regulating our nervous system. Our nervous systems are just out of whack almost constantly this day and age. And it really is on us to take the time to down-regulate our nervous system, to settle those hormones so that we are now operating from a place where we can make choices that really do serve us, that really do have our intentions at heart. Now, I am intentionally choosing to use the term self-regulation and resourcing over self-care. If that term feels better for you, absolutely use it. But I personally feel like the term self-care has become such a buzzword. It's like one of those things we all know we should be doing, but we're just not. And the reason why I prefer using self-regulation and resourcing is because that is genuinely at the crux of what we're doing, whereas so often self-care really could be defined as aftercare. It is when we are already feeling so depleted from the week that we just need to do something to gain our sense of self back. And it really becomes an afterthought, an aftercare, like it's already too late and we're just using self-care, a bubble bath, a face mask, whatever it is to just try to claw ourselves out of it and feel a little bit better about ourselves, which is totally fine. But for the purpose of this episode, it really is about regulating our emotional sense of well-being across the board so that we are less likely to feel so depleted that we are now just using, quote unquote, 
self-care as a means to just try to fix us in that moment. That's not to say challenging times won't happen, high stress times, times where we're grieving, so many times in our life, it is more difficult. But what I'm really speaking into is this undercurrent of our daily lives that we are just rushing and feeling overwhelmed and frustrated and stressed and how those emotions really compound on each other and really impact what it is we want to create for ourselves within our keto lifestyle. Self-regulation is this ability to be in control of our behavior, our emotions, and our thoughts in pursuit of our long-term goals. And when these emotions are really flooded within us and we're really stressed out, it is what helps us to manage our impulses. It also can help us in moments where we feel disappointed or frustrated with ourselves so that we are still acting in a way that is consistent with our values. There are essentially five steps in terms of emotional regulation skills that we really need to practice and begin mastering for ourselves so that we can heal our relationship with food, so that we aren't emotionally eating, so that in moments where we are feeling high stress, we're not abandoning ourselves and what we truly want for ourselves. So the first emotional regulation skill that we need to practice is to create space. Step one, create space. Emotions happen so fast. We don't think I'm so angry or I'm so stressed. All of a sudden we just notice that our jaws clenched or our shoulders are tight or that we've got a million thoughts going through our mind or we're running this never-ending to-do list. So the number one skill in regulating our emotion and a gift we can truly give ourselves is to pause, take a breath, and slow down the moment between our triggers and our response. Our triggers, I mean, really, I should just record an entire episode about triggers, and I will, but our triggers are our thoughts, our emotions, our storylines, things happening in our environment, the people around us, anything that really triggers you to feel this high level of stress and to respond in a way that doesn't serve you. So step one really is to create this space. Practice the pause. The second step is to notice what you feel. It's important that we are able to become aware of what it is we're feeling and really become more curious about our own reactions to how we're feeling. So after we've created a pause, we've created some space, tune in to yourself and consider in what parts of your body are you noticing sensations? Do you have a pit in your stomach? Is your heart racing? Do you feel tension in your neck or head? And these physical symptoms really can be clues to what you're experiencing emotionally. So we're really just noticing what it is we're feeling. And this way, it allows us to alleviate some of the intensity of the emotion. We are practicing a pause and dropping into our body and noticing where are these sensations 
showing up for me. Step three is naming what you feel. And I would really encourage you to dig deeper than the word stress. Stress is such an umbrella blanket term that could really be masking what the true underlying feeling is. So after noticing what you feel, the ability to name it can help you gain control over what is happening. So ask yourself, what would you call the emotions you're feeling? Is it anger, sadness, disappointment, resentment? What else is it? Many of us feel more than one emotion at a time. So don't hesitate to identify multiple emotions if that's what you're feeling. And oftentimes, the biggest feeling that we operate under is fear. If we feel fear, what is it that we're afraid of? If we feel anger, what are we angry about or towards? And really being able to name these emotions will help us get one step closer to being with ourselves in a new way. Step four is to accept the emotion and practice inviting in self-compassion. Emotions are a normal and natural part of how we respond to situations. So rather than beating yourself up or getting frustrated with yourself, we really need to recognize that your emotional reactions are valid. And we're all human beings. And it is totally normal to have a human reaction. So if we are able to practice self-compassion and give ourselves grace, we can recognize that experiencing emotions is really just part of the human experience. I do have an entire episode about self-compassion that I recommend you go back and listen if this feels like the part that gets really sticky, which it does for many people. We're so used to being harder on ourselves. We're so used to beating ourselves up. And when we're able to invite self-compassion into the process, we're able to acknowledge that we are all just human beings trying to do our best. When we suppress our emotions or we are in resistance to what we are feeling, we are only amplifying that in our lives. So we really need to be practicing this acceptance and inviting self-compassion into the process. It really does allow us to let go faster so that we can simply move forward and make our next best choice. And the final step is to practice presence. You know, being mindful, really be present and live in the moment by paying attention to what's inside us using your senses to notice what is happening around you in a non-judgmental way. These skills can help us stay calm and avoid in engaging in negative thought patterns, negative thought loops, and help us to really notice what's really coming up for us so that we are then able to identify it, name it, accept it, and be present in the moment so that we are not just acting on impulse and just responding in a way that goes against what we truly want for ourselves. Now, I know that that sounds like a lot of steps, but really, they all play out in about the span of a minute or two. 
you know, in those moments where we're about to go eat the food because we just want to say, fuck it, I'm stressed and this is going to help me and fix me and I'm going to get comfort. That is when we practice this. We create space around it. We drop into our body and see what it's feeling. We name the emotion we're experiencing. We practice acceptance and self-compassion around it. And we practice being present in the moment and really take some deep breaths and offer love towards that part of us that's feeling the tension physically in our body and allow it to dissipate so that we are now able to reach for the foods that will empower us so that we are making choices that align with our values and goals. And so that we're continually moving forward in creating a lifestyle that we're truly proud of and that we're truly happy with. Studies have shown that there are a lot of qualities that come along with this ability to self-regulate. And some of them include being able to act in accordance with their values, calm themselves when they're upset, maintain open communication, persist through difficult times, put forth their best effort, remain flexible and adapting to situations, stay clear about their intentions, take control of situations when it feels necessary, and to be able to view challenges as opportunities. And the way that we are able to allow ourselves to get through these stressful periods and to really practice the skills of emotional self-regulation is by self-resourcing. So being able to regulate our emotions in the moment really is self-regulation, whereas self-resourcing are the tools that we practice on a daily basis or as many times as it feels possible for you or you feel available for so that in those moments, we are able to regulate ourselves. They really are the tools that we use that we can call on when things feel tough or that can really help support us and manage our emotions on a daily basis. And the reason why I say these are important things that we need to be touching in with daily is because the more resources we have and the more we practice them when things are okay, the more helpful they'll be when things are not okay. Resources really are things that we do that help us feel like we're meeting our own needs. Some examples could be just sitting and having a cup of tea, taking a bath, doing some meditation or breathing exercises, taking a walk, getting out in nature, snuggling your pet, singing, dancing, adult coloring books, just taking a moment to rest, reading a book, listening to music, writing in a journal, or simply just taking a break and walking away from whatever it is you're doing that is causing you stress. There are so many examples of this, and those are just some external resources. We also have internal resources, such as feeling compassion for yourself, saying kind things to yourself, choosing to take the pressure off yourself, stopping that critical voice and understanding that you're a human being, having a human experience, making promises to yourself that you will do something super nourishing later in the day and keeping that promise, 
taking a moment for gratitude, taking a moment to understand yourself and appreciate why you're feeling the way you do, putting up emotional boundaries if that feels best for you. And here's the thing, our resources, our tools that we are going to lean on in terms of down-regulating our stress really can ebb and flow. And it's always going to change. And we always get to have fun and feel playful about trying on new things that will feel nourishing for us. Different resources will support us at different times. And I know for myself, my morning rituals and resources have totally changed, even just in the past year. I would meditate and exercise and pull some oracle cards and then I would write some morning pages. And eventually I noticed I wasn't really feeling like journaling anymore. I just didn't know what to say. And I realized it was because I had found my voice. It's really funny to kind of think about it now because this was before I'd even started this podcast. I was doing these morning pages on a daily basis. And then once I created this podcast, I realized I didn't need that resource anymore. And so I just released it. I didn't pressure myself. I didn't say I have to stick with this forever. It will ebb and flow and change. And that's beautiful. And we get to try new things on for ourselves. So now my morning resourcing looks like meditation, pulling oracle cards. I'll take my dog for a long walk by the lake out in nature with nothing in my ears, no music, anything like that. I will snap a photo of something that I think's really beautiful and that's it. I'm completely off my electronic devices. I am just out there in the moment being present and that feels super nourishing to me right now. Music has probably always been my biggest form of self-resourcing. Some of you may know that I am a classically trained pianist. I took classical guitar lessons. I used to play the flute. And my partner is somewhat of a retired rock star. So there's guitars all over our household. And music is honestly life to us. So of course, I'm going to lean on this as a resource when I am feeling certain emotions. But even if I don't have the bandwidth to go sit down and play music, even just listening to music and selecting music in terms of how I'm feeling has such a huge impact on how I navigate stressful situations and regulate my own emotional well-being. And it feels very natural for me to use that as a resource. So on the days where maybe I'm really low energy, I'm feeling really flat, maybe I'm in a sad mood, I will listen to classical music. There's a Spotify playlist called Sad Classical or Mellow Cello, and I really allow it to amplify that emotion so that I am processing it and being with it. And there are other days where maybe I'm feeling low energy, flat, maybe a little bit sad, but I have something I need to do later and I don't want to carry that emotion with me all day. So I will choose some sort of music that really makes me feel better, that sparks joy, that feels fun. And for me, that almost always is something super nostalgic, something that brings up good memories from my youth, 
songs I haven't heard in ages, artists I haven't even thought of in years, and it can be so fun. And it really works for me to self-resource in that way so that I'm able to shift my energy and shift my emotions. And if music isn't your thing, that's fine too. We get to decide what those things are for us that feel good to us, whether it's dance or some sort of physical movement, the gym, going for a run, going for a walk out in nature. If it's something more creative, such as knitting or painting or drawing or crochet or adult coloring books or whatever that is, it could be some form of a healing practice, meditation, breath work, grounding, visualization exercises, journaling, morning pages, reading self-help books, personal development books, whatever feels best for you. And if you're not quite sure what your thing is, I recommend thinking back to when you were a kid. What did you love doing as a kid? What do you wish you had more time for? Those are the things that we can be using to resource ourselves, to use as tools so that we're just injecting more fun and play and joy into our lives on a daily basis as much as possible. Now, in terms of an internal resource, something that I am recently and actively practicing for myself is something I call a relaxed awareness. You know, so often we feel stressed out because we have this never-ending to-do list and we don't have enough hours in the day to get everything we want done. And when I've started practicing relaxed awareness, what that looks like to me is trusting in myself that these things will get done without me needing to create internal chaos and anxiety and stress in order to do it. The truth is, we can still get everything on our to-do list done from a place of trust and internal peace. So often we believe I need to be super stressed and super anxious to, in order to achieve everything, in order to check all the boxes. But is that true? I mean, 90% of the time, we end up getting everything done anyway. So it's more about practicing the intentional energy behind getting everything done where it doesn't have to be stressful. We can trust ourselves that it'll get done. And we don't need to create this internal stress to propel us forward, to push us forward, to make sure we get it done. We could get everything done and invite peace into the process. So that is something that I've personally really been applying to my own life. And I have just noticed the amount of pressure that's been released. And if something doesn't get done that day, okay, I'll do it the next day. We don't have to catastrophize it if we don't get every single thing checked off because we're human beings and there really is only so much time in a day and we don't need to be using and relying on stress, which is going to, like we said at the beginning, increase all of these cortisol and adrenaline hormones in order to get things done. We can approach it from this a relaxed awareness place. We can understand that 
we can trust ourselves to get it done because 99% of the time we always do. We have evidence that we always do. And yet we so often will create this internal anxiety as a way to push us forward, which we really don't need. It's unnecessary. And we're doing it to ourselves. Anyway, I just wanted to share some examples of what I am currently practicing in my own self-resourcing rituals. There are certain rituals to me that are non-negotiable, like my meditation or my oracle cards, or I'll even have my crystals all ready to go. And then there are other things that continually change as I change, as I evolve, and they're allowed to, and that gets to be exciting. We get to try new things on for ourselves that feel fun and playful and relaxing and restful and nourishing. But the most important underlying factor is we need to be doing this as often as possible so that when we are highly stressed, we have resources to turn to. We have ways to downregulate our nervous system that don't involve reaching for food to try and fix it. Because that is often what's got us into this mess in the first place. It's not a sustainable coping strategy. Not if what you truly want is to become your favorite version of yourself. The person that you really aspire to be. A person that cares for themselves. I was really sitting with this in terms of differentiating between coping skills, self-care, and self-resourcing. For me, it feels like coping mechanisms, coping strategies feel sort of half-hearted. It doesn't feel abundant. It doesn't feel like we're really pouring into ourselves on a soul level. I feel it's like we're doing things at random and we're just desperate to feel better. Like when we're grabbing food, we're just desperate to feel better in that moment. It almost makes my shoulders crunch up. And in a way, coping skills feel kind of like a Band-Aid solution that just doesn't even stay on and certainly doesn't feel aligned with how we want to be with ourselves on a daily basis. And self-care to me feels like a little step up. It feels like there's some calmness but also a bit of numbness, like we're not really getting to the root of our emotional regulation. And, you know, it could feel like I'm supposed to be journaling, I'm supposed to be meditating, I'm supposed to be having a luxurious bath and doing some face masks. And like I said, so much of what self-care in mainstream media is, to me, really feels like aftercare. It doesn't feel as much like something we're doing to really regulate our emotions. It feels like something that we're doing in order to care for ourselves once the aftermath has already happened. It can sometimes make us feel guilty that we're enjoying something in exchange for the time that we could be spent doing something else that feels productive. It can bring feelings of resentment or anger or like, I just don't have enough hours in the day to also practice self-care. 
And when I think about self-resourcing, it just feels more abundant. It feels like we're really drawing in and calling in and pulling in something that's essential. It's like an embodied refilling of that cup that we know we can't pour from an empty one. It feels like we're really taking the time to expand and resource ourselves as a way that really allows for space in which healing can occur without shame, without guilt, without labels. It really is like resourcing ourselves, mind, body, and soul. It really helps us to make deposits in this proverbial wellness bank, which is an account we are constantly withdrawing from and that deeply impacts our ability to be present, to enjoy the authenticity of who we are, and to become who we want to be. And taking this time, even just one minute, to resource ourselves, to calm ourselves down, to re-energize in a way that we feel supported in our day-to-day function, so that overall we're increasing our well-being. And I completely understand that it sounds so simple, but can really actually be very challenging for some people. Sometimes it feels like we don't deserve to care for ourselves. Sometimes we struggle to put ourselves first. And sometimes we we just don't know how. This is where investing with a coach can really help serve you on this journey. I know that... We all have support in our lives, friends, maybe family members, a spouse, but it's just not the same because how often are you maybe experiencing something emotionally that is stressing you out, but you're looking at your partner who is also stressed out with their own things going on and you don't want to add that burden to them. So now we're dealing with it actually on our own, whereas When you're working with a coach, you really have this unbiased opinion. You have someone who is available and able to hold space for you and hold space around your emotions and really allow you to explore them in a safe place so that we are able to actually deal with them and overcome them and not feel so alone through this process. I mean... I have been investing in coaching for my business for, gosh, this entire time, three years. And yeah, my fiance is always there to support me, but he doesn't know the ins and outs of what I'm moving through. And working with someone who's actually been there before and done it and gotten to the other side helps get you there so much faster. This is a journey about healing. And that includes the whole self, body, mind, soul. That includes healing practices, self-regulation, self-resourcing, emotional regulation, down-regulating stress, and having the support of someone who truly understands can really be such a game changer on this journey. So if you have been struggling on your keto journey, if you have been stressed out, if circumstances are really 
causing you to feel stuck, if it feels like you're in a rut and you're just repeating the same things over and over again, I am accepting clients currently. I would love to do this with you and support you and provide new perspectives and moral support and really just allow you to create these lasting changes and lose more weight and improve your health conditions and improve other areas of your life as well. If you are interested, there is a button down in the show notes where you can apply for a free consultation with me. Throughout this keto journey, there may be times where you have emotions to process, whether it's frustration from curving cravings or disappointment during a plateau or if you've gone off your plan and having support really can help. It also really helps with navigating through these feelings of stress and incorporating healing practices and self-resourcing practices that are specifically personalized to you that feel best for you. So I really hope that you found this episode helpful. It's important that we continuously remind ourselves that we are worth the effort and we are worth doing this deeper work to really overcome this amount of stress that we are constantly living in. And one of the most, I'm almost emotional, one of the most beautiful compliments that I receive from my clients when we are nearing the end of our time together is how much peace they feel around food, how much peace they feel within themselves, how it just all of a sudden clicks and feels like this is their lifestyle. They've actually done it. And there has been nothing more rewarding in my entire life than helping others navigate through all of it. I hope you found this episode helpful. Like I said, you can still submit questions for the Q&A episode. I can't wait to record that one. And until next time, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks so much for listening, pal. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to spend it with me, and I hope you found this episode helpful. If you have any questions or want clarity around anything you heard today, or if you just want to share what came up for you, check out the show notes and click on Connect with Stephanie. This is directed straight to my inbox where I personally answer every single message and question that comes in. I'm ready to hold space for you and help you move forward on your keto journey. Until then, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.